decision-making can take a lot out of us. A lot of it has to do with how you discriminate the pros and cons. What happens when you make the wrong decision? How do you balance risk and reward? The bigger the decision, the more we tend to stress ourselves out about it. Let's talk about it. Roll the intro! Welcome to Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And on today's episode, we are taking a closer look. We are taking a closer look at three huge decision-making traps and what to do about them. There is continuous tension between risk and reward. Continuous. Too far on the side of risk aversion, and your life is filled with what if regrets. Too far on the reward side, and you become impulsive, bored, and have an ever growing attention deficit. That being said, I'm giving you the punchline immediately. It's that important. Taking risks is a sign of health because it communicates your pursuit of achievement. One more time for it. One more time for emphasis. <laughs> Dr. Cashy feels compelled to repeat this for emphasis. <laughs> Taking risks is a sign of health because it communicates your pursuit of achievement. All right? Yes, everything is in order here. Okay, great. Now you and I can begin. <laughs> so what I wanna know, what I wanna discuss is how all of this gets jumbled day to day. We have to break down decisions, 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 before the decisions. <laughs> Is your information source reliable and up to date? Are you, your support system, or your mentor equipped to gather and assess information quality? Too much em emphasis on the first options you see, the primacy trap. Too much emphasis on the last person you consulted, even if it's you, the recency trap. If you include another person in the decision-making process, are you actually looking for an objective eye, even if they say something that irks you? Or are you looking for high fives and pom-pom routines? If your decision goes screwy, what is your plan B? Thankfully, a lot of this stuff is considered on accident and happens quickly in the old noodle, right in our heads. Sometimes the, the weight of a decision or decisions will bog you down and it pays to have a robust framework to make sense of them so you can move on. Otherwise, the fear, panic, and anxiety of letting that stuff fester will create its own problems, consuming your mind, and or having you miss out on other things. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If the decision goes well, well, you got more decisions to make. If the decision goes sideways, well, you got more decisions to make. The moral here? More decisions in any instance, always, every time. So here are the top three decision-making traps Dr. Kashi coaches his clients through, right? Trap number one, needing to be super extra sure. Trap number two, vacillating over which option is better. And trap number three, using your self-esteem as currency to make decisions. Okay, let's explore these together. 
needing to be extra sure about a decision. Dr. Cashy's throwing the hammer down on this right now. The only way to be sure about a decision is to analyze it after it's made. That's it. That's it. Needing to be extra sure is synonymous with essentially needing a guarantee. Indeed, there is only one guarantee. And that is that demanding a guarantee puts you in an infinite loop, where each successful loop, you pick up one misery point. And the more miserable you are, the bigger of a guarantee you require before making the decision. As the probability of a result approaches 100%, you're 100% sure, then the likelihood of any notable achievement approaches 0%. This means that it's a mundane decision and spending any energy on it is absurd by default. This is the intellectual equivalent of dunking on a three foot high basketball hoop. The best option is to have a good plan B if plan A breaks down. A decision can only be labeled as good, bad, right, and wrong, or any of these other things in between after the decision has been made. And if your resilience response is on point, then you're in the position to take all that information you've gathered and inform your next plan, an adaptive behavior change instead of a sabotaging behavior change. Excellent. Point number two, vacillating over which option is better. Boo hoo. <laughs> Some decisions feel obvious at first glance, the positives outweigh the negatives so vastly that the processing is decisive. When all the options have great benefits and or all the options have high risks and costs, then the decisions start to get a bit scary. They start to get a little bit ambiguous and sometimes agonizing. Ambiguity and anxiety in these circumstances of what decision is best is often murkier than what decision is good and what decision is bad. If two people fancy you and you like them both and you wait too long, they're gonna get sick of your crap, become impatient with your delay and you'll miss out on both. If you fancy two pizzas at the pizza bar and you wait too long, somebody will pass you up and take the last slice and you'll be left in dismay, wondering what your life could have been because now you're stuck with this other pizza which is obviously the crappier pizza. Hmm. <laughs> Choosing between multiple options with advantages and wondering which is best when you write it down, it's looking kind of silly, okay? It's a so-called first world problem, just like vacillating between what good option to take screws you over on getting any of the good options. The longer you wait, the more miserable you become, the more miserable you become, the harder the decision is to make because you need to feel good about making the decision. This is a pickle when making a decision is the only cure for that misery. And like I said, if you wait too long, something or somebody else will make that decision for you and they will make that decision in their best interest instead of yours. Therefore, you will always be left with the dregs or nothing. Dr. Cashy's bottom line here. If your options are between some advantage and no advantage, then choose advantage. In a win-win situation, delay is how you lose. And that leaves us with our last and most common and most important decision trap. Number three, using your self-esteem as currency when making decisions. When you use your self-esteem as currency, you are essentially gambling your self-respect away. Most people think of self-respect as feeling good about yourself and other things like that. I think that's arbitrary garbage nonsense, okay? And Dr. Cashy defines self-respect as the ability to respect yourself, as in separating out thoughts, feelings, and actions from the person. 
If you are putting your self-esteem on the line when you make a decision, then you are gambling your self-respect away. This is the difference between making a mistake and being a mistake. That's what that means. One affords the opportunity for resilience and growth and learning and mastery and achievement, and the other one dooms you to essentially mental illness. This exhibits an interesting and extreme irony in this dysregulated thought pattern in that it shows that how you think about being wrong might actually be wrong. Wrongness is crucial to learning and changing. Thank goodness for screw-ups. It's the only way you get the opportunity to systematically audit and update how you see and interact with the world in a way that serves you. As a scientist, being wrong is integrated into the paradigm of how we add to the body of knowledge. Data from experiments will dispute or substantiate, and that is used to revise, prop up, and abandon schools of thought. Indeed, what is the micro-conversation that's giving you permission to let single decisions define you as a person, making you a fixed figure that's powerless to learn and grow? What, how are you giving yourself that permission? What's the conversation you have with yourself? Wrongness is an essential nutrient. It is literally required for human development. Right now, stuck in binary mindedness and all or nothingness, you know, is common in some place of your life, right? Everybody feels that way somewhere, maybe in a lot of places, maybe in a few. Uh, Dr. Kashi suggests that instead you forego the psychological binary and embrace the biological continuum. This means that when you take risks and when you commit to something, then that is on the continuum of your life and the important lessons become integrated as you go. When adopting a binary view, black and white, left or right, up or down, right and wrong, good and bad, healthy, toxic, right? The weight of any decision or risk can be too great to bear. In effect, you tell yourself the story of if X goes wrong, then why catastrophe results? Essentially, you see your life as you know it ending. Of course, when you're level-headed, you know that's blatantly false. However, decisions of any magnitude will take you off balance, making the all-or-nothing outlook impossible to contend with under those circumstances. Give biology, give life, give your life due respect. You know it's a complex system teeming with positives, negatives, and neutrals. And in an amazing turn of events, you have a high level of influence on what you add to that system. For that reason, the biological continuum helps you take risks and commit. So if you need to get handled in making decisions and improving your mind and body, then send Dr. Kashi a message and leave him a comment. He gets back to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out. <laughs>